Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of JM Rewind. JM Rewind gives us an opportunity to check out some of the recent guests who appeared on JM in the AM. Ross Creel was with us last week on the day that he was in Washington for the signing of the uh, peace agreement between Israel, the United States, the UAE, and Bahrain. He is the leader of the Jewish community of the UAE. My conversation with Ross Creel here on JM Rewind on the Nahum Siegel Network. Tuesday, it's a historic day, as we've been mentioning. It is a historic day. Agreements being signed. In fact, the Prime Minister of Israel called the uh, agreement with the UAE an actual peace treaty. Apparently, the one with Bahrain, they haven't had enough time to formulate the language (laughs) since that announcement was made at the end of last week. Uh, So it's going to be a little bit of a different type of agreement. Uh, But as you know, the delegation is here from Israel. As you know, four countries are going to gather with representatives on the uh, south lawn of the White House today, 12 noon Eastern time, for a historic uh, ceremony. As I mentioned earlier, if your children, your grandchildren, your congregants, your students do not understand the history and how historic a day this is, September the 15th of 2020, please explain it to them. One of the people who I think can explain it to us is Ross Creel. And I rarely read the entire bio of one of our guests, but I think it's important in this case to understand who Ross is and what he's done. Ross Creel is an Oxford-educated lawyer originally from Johannesburg. He's worked in the UAE since 2008 and has lived in Dubai since 2013 with his wife and children. He works for French energy giant Engie as a a transactional lawyer and has worked on large energy projects throughout the GCC, Africa, and South Asia since 2008. He is a committed and observant Jew. Ross Creel is a committed and observant Jew and president of the Jewish Council of the Emirates, the JCE. He has actively built the JCE community since 2013 by creating a place of worship with regular services. Originally, it was in his home. Obtaining and supporting the infrastructure for Jewish prayer and establishing a fully functioning, flourishing, and viable community. He engages frequently with government representatives religious leaders, and diplomats to ensure that the JCE takes its place appropriately among the other minority religious communities of the UAE, and he is strongly committed to the UAE project of religious tolerance and pluralism. In his capacity as president of the JCE, Ross Creel was privileged to be included in the UAE delegation to the Ministerial on Freedom or Religion and Belief, which was held in Washington during July of 2019, and has been invited to present his work in the UAE to European parliamentarians in March 2020 as part of the EPP Working Group on Intercultural and Religious Dialogue. He's involved in several ongoing projects intended to encourage and normalize Jewish communal life in the UAE. Ross Creel, an honor to wish you Mazal Tov and welcome you to JM in the AM. Thanks, Nachoman. Mazal Tov, it's, a, it's really a Mazal Tov for all of us, isn't it? Uh, that's an understatement, and you're in Washington right now, and you're going to be there today for the history that I described and the historic event that it's going to be. Uh, and Mazel Tov is really the the way to uh, uh, to sum it up. It is a congratulatory uh, greeting to the entire Jewish people, to all peace-loving people in, in, in general, and to those who want to see the Middle East be a stable and uh, and um, and fruitful and uh, active uh, group of nations. That's basically what it is. And in a way, you've really had this parallel experience. You've you've experienced over the last decade this road toward normalization between the UAE and Israel. Did you feel it as it was happening? 
Sure. What I like to say, Nachum, is that we made a small Jewish embassy um, over years and years. We always knew that the, the UAE was is a very, very tolerant place. It's very plural and has been for decades. But how to apply that tolerance to a Jewish community is something that we worked on. Uh, in the earliest years of our community, and we worked on, on that project very closely with the government. And that doing that was amazing. We felt like pioneers. We knew it was historical work. But I have to tell you, Nachum, we could never have imagined that it would culminate so quickly in this incredible signing uh, today here in Washington. It, it is amazing. At what point did the Israeli government or any officials of note realize the work that you were doing and realize it was going in a certain direction? Well, we, we, our community was um, publicized in the media for the first time in 2018 um, in a very famous Bloomberg article. Before then, we, we actually did not look for media attention. We didn't see it as uh, something that was necessarily beneficial for our members. We wanted to just build our communities. Um, but my first interaction with the Israeli Ministry of Foreign Affairs happened when their team came out to work on Expo. Uh, because I don't know if your members know this, but even before the Abrahamic Accord was announced, there was a great deal of quite warm, ongoing interaction with Israel. And one of the strongest um, proofs of that was the decision by the UAE authorities to have an Israeli pavilion at the Expo, which right. was intended to be uh, next month in October, but now has been postponed for a year. Right. And I worked actively with the Ministry of Foreign Affairs of Israel. In, in developing that expo. So I had to tell your listeners that first moment when the Israeli MFI guys came into the Kempinski Hotel at the Mall of the Emirates to meet with me and to work on expo was really, really exciting. We were actually moved to tears um, when, we, when we met them in a hotel room and just had a sense of where this was all going. It's funny. It's not a religious ceremony that brought you to tears. It wasn't a gathering for a holiday that brought you to tears. It was uh, it was the understanding and the realization that an economic relationship could be the difference, could be a really important partnership moving forward. And sometimes, you know, again, we may laugh at that, that it's economic and business that brings people together, but... But that's the reality here, right? People saw an oppor- people saw an opportunity. They wanted a relationship with Israel. True, and the, the beauty of this Abraham Accord is that peace is its own dividend. In other words, it wasn't necessary to exchange land for peace right. or have any transactional approach to peace. Peace is its own dividend, and in that respect, I think the Emirati leaders have been so visionary and courageous, um, and also distinguished themselves from the other Arabic countries that have made peace with Israel by saying this this is a sign dividend. We believe in peace, and we see immense economic benefit um, for the two countries and for the region as a whole. That's the reason to do peace. And I think they've, they've just demonstrated um, a whole new way of relating to Israel that, that hopefully other countries will also follow. Ross Creel is with us. He's a Jewish, president of the Jewish Council of the Emirates. He's here in Washington for the historic signing today. Um, but some people listening, I'm sure, are curious because it's always the question, you know, how many Jews, how many members, how large is the Jewish mm-hmm. community of the UAE? So notwithstanding the huge amount of attention that has been given to us um, in the last couple of months and even before that, we are a small community numbering in the hundreds. And um, that's true, I guess, of Jews worldwide, that we make a massive impact out of proportion to our numbers. Yeah. 
Um, but we're still a small community with the expectation that we will grow very steadily now with um, hopefully the announcement soon that Israeli passport holders will be able to come into the UAE for the first time and direct flights. These are all announcements that I'm sure will flow very rapidly after the signing today of the Abraham, Abraham Accord. I would assume that your phone has been ringing off the hook with people from around the world who'd like to establish certain religious and, uh, and economic uh, positions and uh, businesses in the UAE. Indeed. We, we've hardly slept now from in the last two or three weeks, I have to tell you, partly because um, we're so excited, but also partly because the phone has been ringing nonstop. And as a, as, a, as a Jewish council, we're very, very excited to welcome not only Israelis, but also Dashboard Jews to the UAE. For those of you that have not yet visited, it's an extraordinary place. It's a safe place. And it's a place that is so proudly and, and courageously embraced Israel. And for all of us as Jews, honestly, this is a place that you have to come in and see for yourselves. Okay. And, and I do want to mention um, one important additional reason to do that, Nachum, which is so important, is for me to be in an Arabic country where you go to the mall and there's a woman wearing, a, wearing an abaya or a man wearing a kandura, and they're going off to see the same film that you're seeing at the movies or buying the same little gifts for their children. And there's a sense of ease and normalcy about that is a wonderful, reassuring experience. And I think that's why our community is such a hopeful community and such a hopeful narrative. Uh, it's amazing we didn't know more about these details in the last few years, but I guess sometimes peace agreements and normalization uh, acts you know, uh, bring these things to the forefront. And by the way, soon uh, you'll be a quote-unquote real Jewish community. Soon you'll have multiple synagogues, because of course people need synagogues that they don't daven in. You'll have a kosher, you'll, you'll have a kosher pizza shop. You'll likely have an A-roof, <laughs> right? I mean, forget about, forget about cemetery and mikvah. In 2020, we know the essentials for a real Jewish community at this point. <laughs> True, in, in, indeed. Well, you know, the, the beauty of our community in its earliest years is that we were the, actually the one island in the world where there was only one synagogue. Wow. And there was a, there was a beautiful um, ethos of, of unity and, and camaraderie in our community, which meant a great deal to us when you find another Jew back in those days. You didn't ask them, no. you know, whether they davened or whether or not there was a machitza in the place. You were right. just so excited to to meet another Jew. And that ethos is still really important to us, even as, of course, we, we ourselves normalize and there'll be multiple communities developing over time, which is fine and good. We still want to maintain that ethos of unity um, and our Vajusa L, which has really characterized our community from its earliest days. Ross Krill is with us. He's president of the JCE, the uh, Jewish Council of the Emirates. Um, what is it like being a pioneer? I, I would imagine a lot of people listening would say, you come from South Africa, obviously to a foreign country, you have a certain vision of, of the influence you could have and what the small, very small Jewish community and maybe some tourists, you know, what their needs are. And you feel it's important mm -hmm. to establish, you know, Judaism as one of the you know, important minority religions, let's put it that way, in an atmosphere that you said is pretty tolerant. But is, is it a frightening experience where there are many bumps in the road early on where you said, you know, maybe this wasn't the best experiment? Well, my wife and I, as you mentioned in the introduction, are we're an observant family. Um, and there was a moment, a couple of years, in fact, when we were the only home, not just in the suburb and not just in the city, but in the whole region, 
that was kosher and shemesh bat. And that was a beautiful feeling, um, very, very profoundly empowering. It, it gave me a very strong sense of the power of a Jewish home. I'd come from a community where we were all kosher and all shemesh bat, all observing the Sabbath. And to do it on your own um, and realize the power of doing that was, was very empowering and enabling for me and my wife. I want to mention um, that my wife has gone on to build the first kosher caterer in the UAE wow. um, called Eddie's Kosher Kitchen, and you can hear I'm very proud of her. But, but for both of us, this was a beautiful experience, and there were, there were challenges without any doubt. Um, it is a challenge not to have a kosher restaurant around the corner. It is a challenge not to have beautiful Jewish institutions where you can learn and, and be together, whether it's you know, for religious or non-religious purposes. But I have to say that building those things is so exciting. And um, I guess the big lesson I've learned, you know, we're about to say, you know, you know, be the head and not the tail. The big lesson I've learned going into Rosh Hashanah is, is the, the strength of, 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 being, of being a Jew. And all of us have the power to lead, and all of us have the power to build, and we've got to do it in whatever context we find ourselves. And my wife and I were just very, very lucky to have the merit of doing that in such a beautiful place where our impact would be um, years later, so widely recognized. Wow. Um, did you expect more criticism from the Arab world? And I'm not necessarily talking about the PA. I'm talking about other countries. Uh, more criticism of the UAE and Bahrain for making this move? Well, I think that that criticism was expected. But what's been amazing, um, Nachum, is to speak to very senior UAE leaders and then just all you know Emiratis that we have at our Friday night table. And they say to us, look, um, we've been criticized. Um, some countries and people have said they won't come here anymore. And, you know, we don't care. This is something that we believe in. It's something that's important to us. It's something that's right. And if people don't agree or criticize, that's their problem. We are carrying on. And just the, the sort of tone of the courage, the clarity of thinking, has been very moving for me, very, very deeply moving as a Jew, just to have a real sense of friendship, of moral courage, and clarity of thinking, right? And the, and the truth is, even if even if one does believe in in the moral thinking and 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 the courage that you described, uh, a country, you know, until they feel the real need, a relationship economically and otherwise, you know, is beneficial to them with Israel, etc., uh, they they don't feel the need to act on it. And 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 why start trouble with the neighbors, so to speak? But when the two things come together, you know, we say me right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so. I mean, there's drivers on both sides. So on the one hand, economically for Israel and the UAE, this is a great, this is a great piece. Right. And the UAE wants to be a place that's open to all. And it wants to be, you know, the New York, London, you know, of the Middle East. Right. And you can't do that if you exclude Israel and certain countries. So that's the first point. But it does have to be mentioned that beyond economics, um, the value system of the UAE favors peace. It really, really does. They have a theology of tolerance based on the Quran, which is about finding peace um, with your neighbor and recognizing common humanity. So the economic benefits are enormous, but there's more to it um, in the case of the UAE than just pure economics. Right. And it's funny because we always, I mean, as we observe the Middle East for the last so many decades, we hear the Quran and, and it's always used as proof 
that we should not be living in peace. But you're you're saying that you're you 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 are living in a community that cites the Quran. Why one needs to live in peace? Exactly. So so the the view of the um, the leaders of the UAE, um, and it's driven by their their theologian um, Sheikh Abdullah bin Baya, is that the Quran itself has been stolen from the Muslim people right. by extremists and by um, political Islam, and that they have to reclaim it. They have to reclaim it as a tolerant tradition. And, you know, if you go back to the times of the Prophet himself, um, and you look at the constitution of, the, of Medina, for example, which gave Jews citizenship and acknowledged the fact that they were believers who were not to be put under any pressure whatsoever to convert and would be allowed to regulate and rule themselves, you see in the earliest um, um, epoch of Islam a very, very tolerant attitude towards Jews and minorities. And in fact, when the Muslim world was at its great in Al-Andalusia and Spain and in other places, it was always plural and always tolerant. Right. And what, what the UAE is telling us as Jews is, and Muslims, most importantly, is that this is the real Islam. And I think for us as Jews um, who've been through decades, of course, of, of seeing the Arabic world in a very different way, I think this is a profoundly reassuring um, thing to hear. And it's something that I've experienced living there now for nearly 10 years. Um, you are not surprised, I'm assuming, that immediately thereafter, immediately, you know, as, as these things go, uh, Bahrain made their announcement, right? That was not a shock to you? It wasn't a shock, um, and it's also hoped that Oman and perhaps even Saudi Arabia will follow at some point. Bahrain itself is a very tolerant place. Um, they've had their own Jewish community there for 150 years, originally Iraqi Jews. And they also had the claim to 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 having appointed the first Jewish ambassador of a of a Muslim and Arabic country, um, Huda Nunu, who was the American ambassador of Bahrain to the USA between 2003 and 2008, and she's one of the visitors um, that are uh, with me and other Jewish leaders observing the signing today at the White House. But I wasn't surprised. Um, I'm hoping that other countries as well will follow the lead of the UAE and Bahrain. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. When you were the lone Orthodox Jew in the UAE, the closest Orthodox Jew to you would have been in Israel? Or am I not thinking uh, geographically well, correct? <laughs> I, have, I have an interesting thing to tell you. The closest Orthodox, Orthodox Jew would have been just across the water in Iran. Wow. Um, Iran is only 70, 80 kilometers away across right. the um, Arabian Gulf. And as you, as you know, there's a, there's a large Iranian Jewish community that is still there. Right. Unfortunately, we have very few uh, ties with them. They're very inward-looking um, and live in circumstances that are completely different from ours in the UAE, just across the water. But that, in fact, is the closest Jewish community is in Iran. Unbelievable. Uh, Ross, uh, uh, by the way, are you part of the official, I, I know there's an Israeli delegation, obviously a Bahraini delegation. Are you part of the UAE delegation officially today? I'm not part of the official delegation, but I was invited um, to come here and observe the signing. And that acknowledgement, of course, is very, very appreciated by our Jewish council. Right. Um, but I, I wish I could. I don't take credit, any credit at all for the amazing um, political steps that have culminated in, in the signing today. The steps that we've taken, Nachum, are the human-to-human steps of creating a sense of peacefulness and coexistence on the ground. And that's, that's the real warmth of the peace. 
And I think our community members really do take a lot of credit for that part of it. Amazing. Well, tell your wife to get the restaurant ready for us because we got we got we got to come visit you at this point. At this point, we got to we got to see what this is all about and see it up close and personal. As I'm sure many many people listening would love to do at this at this point. There are people in our audience who love to travel when travel is allowed. You know you know the situation right now. You're sure. you're, you're lucky to have gotten here, frankly. <laughs> but but there there are a lot of people who like to see the world, and now they can have an opportunity to see a part of the world they never dreamt they'd be able to see. Uh, Ross Creel is the president of the Jewish Council of the Emirates. He will be there today at the White House, and he is one of the key people in the building of the uh, small but growing uh, Jewish community of the UAE. What an honor to speak with you. Mazal Tov. Enjoy the ceremony, and uh, best regards to everybody at the UAE. Thank you, Nachum. And just, just want to wish Shana Tova um, to all your listeners from the world's newest Jewish community, the Jews of the UAE. Phenomenal. Uh, our best to you, and of course, Shana Tava Happy, healthy, and sweet New Year. Ross Creel on a very special, historic Tuesday here at JM and the AM. It's history, everybody, and as I keep saying, if your children, your grandchildren, your students, your congregants, if they're not understanding why today is so historic, make sure to explain it to them. I beg of you. That was my conversation with Ross Creel, leader of the Jewish community of the UAE. Next up, Rabbi Gedalia Zlotowicz. We had an opportunity to explore some of the things that are now available this time of year, especially uh, for the uh, high holidays and the holiday of Sukkot. Gedalia Zlotowicz, Arts Girl, Misora, on JM Rewind here at the Nahum Siegel Network. And Rabbi Gedalia Zlotowicz is standing by. And I want to remind you that we always have amazing and incredible offers for our audience from our friends at Artscroll and Artscroll.com. And right now, if you go to Artscroll.com, the brand new Shar Habitachon of Chovos Halvavos, and you've heard me over the last few days sing the praises of this incredible volume, the Hebrew and the English, just incredible. I mean, the Hebrew I always knew is incredible. <laughs> I've seen it before. <laughs> but what they've done with the English and the insights and the commentary and the translation is really remarkable. Uh, it's the brand new Sharabi Tachan of Chovas Halvavos. Check it out, artsgirl.com, artsgirl.com. When you use promo code radio, when you use promo code radio, enjoy a 15% discount and free shipping on the brand new Shar Habitachon. And uh, one of the reasons we invited Rabbi Zlotowitz on now, just a couple of days before the brand new year, is to find out what's been happening over the last few months and what he anticipates over the next few weeks. Because you can imagine just how many Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Slichas, Sukkis, appropriate selections, Artscroll and Artscroll.com has. Rabbi Gedalia Zlotowitz, President, Artscroll Masora, welcome back to JM in the AM. Good morning, Nachum. Thank you for having me on. Good morning to all your listeners. How are you? Appreciate that. Always like having you on and uh, love doing this with you in terms of going through the material. But there's an added component this morning. I had the pleasure of uh, visiting the Art Scroll Empire this week and uh, seeing uh, your new facility in New Jersey, something that was uh, delayed for us only because of the whole COVID situation. Uh, it is remarkable to see your facility working 24-6, literally, which we can go into detail about if you're willing. And in addition to that, to see how modernized, how up-to-date, how 2020, some might even say 2021 with the, the technology you have over there, uh, everything working like clockwork to produce as much as possible 
as often as possible. And it, the whole thing was uh, was really a, a, an eye opener. You hear about these things, and you hear about your new facility and what Art Scroll now can do, your capabilities. But once one sees it, it really comes to life. So Mazal Tov on the new place, even though it is uh, many months already at this point. And I thank you for having us and the um, and and the the ability. What Art Scroll now can do for the Jewish world and the publishing world, as, as amazing as it's been for four decades, now is even more remarkable. So you must be really excited to have already spent all these initial months at the new facility. Well, we we love the new facility. It was an honor to host you and Miriam, Thank and you. Uh, we invite people to come see it if they want. Um, it really is cutting edge, and our goal is to be able to print and bind on-premises, as you've seen, so that we have everything in stock when people need it so we could service the needs of the community. Um, and it's so different now. I know I know that that's not really for today's conversation to talk about how different it was to produce books, you know, 40 years ago compared to now, uh, but it is so different. The, the way things happen on demand, the way things happen when someone calls you and says, I need 100 of these immediately, it's, it's, it's something you could actually fulfill now. It's something you could actually you know, answer in the affirmative when someone calls in that type of emergency. Right. Well, the goal is you know, we, we never really know how many of a book or a safe is going to sell, and therefore you know, we print the quantity we anticipate. But many times we're caught by surprise. And things really start taking off. Like, for example, the Rabbi Trank book, Just Love right. Them, was a book that, you know, it sold already over 21,000 copies, which is unheard of. And we were, we were, I don't think we were out of stock of it for one day. Whenever we needed it, within 48 hours, we were able to print and bind more. And that's what keeps the momentum going. And when people want it, they want the chizuk from reading books like this, the last thing you want to tell them is, oh, I'm sorry, it's out of stock. We'll get it back in four weeks. They don't want to wait four weeks. They want it now. So if we're able to produce that for them, we're thrilled. That's really the goal. So they, thank God there's very little back order at this point anymore, which is great. And on top of that, there's really no second printing, third printing anymore outside of just you know a way to keep track in terms of the sales, right? Because as you said, once, uh, once that first printing or initial run is done, you know, in a very short period of time, that book's available again. So it's uh, well, it's, we it's, would call that a second and third printing, right. just getting I, I, done a lot quicker. Right, but usually when people in the old days used second printing, it was a way of saying, you know, we're we're trying our best to get right. it back. back we'll be back there. in two months. Exactly. You know, something along those lines. So it's pretty remarkable. Now, Baruch Hashem, that's not happening. And with today, we have to use today's technology. Technology is a gift, and. Like with everything else, we have to use it in the right way, and we're happy to use it to service the community. And what people may not realize, and they will see it when they visit you, uh, is how many actual human beings you still need to run equipment, to double-check certain things, to proofread, to go ahead and uh, and, and, and make sure that the, uh, the covers of the book are straight and proper and the way they should be. Uh, yeah, machines are replacing humans, I guess, to a degree, but you're always going to need people, and thank God you're a pretty big employer over there. Uh, you're always going to need people to, to run everything and to supervise everything. That is correct. Yep. Uh, all right. Let's, uh, I mean, if you already mentioned Rabbi Trank and the numbers, I mean, I think one of the numbers people are really curious about is what Danielle Renoff has done because that's a cookbook that really has uh, – 
uh, you know, one of those books that's uh, revolutionized the market, I think we could say, and no doubt will have, you know, another few runs in terms of popularity, Hanukkah coming up, etc., uh, later on in the year. Uh, can you describe for us the influence that her book has, has, has had and the type of numbers that it's done? Well, Danielle Renov has a huge following online on her Instagram page and all the other social media. She has a way of just communicating and connecting with those who follow her. It has taken the cooking world by storm. Um, already over 42,000 copies, wow. which is unheard of these days because there are so many cookbooks on the market. But uh, people love it. The feedback is great. There's, I think, over 250 recipes. It's a beautiful book, a great gift for Yontif, especially with all the cooking days coming up. But it's really full year-round. And we're just happy that people love the book. If they're going to buy it, they should love it, use it well, and use it to feed their families delicious meals. But we're very proud of this book. And we're proud of the association with uh, Mrs. Renov. She is a fantastic personality. All right. Peas, love, and carrots. All right. So it's a home run. Basically, Rabbi Zlotowitz, it's a home run. <laughs> it's a home run. You, you, made, a deci- home you run. made a decision. You have zero regrets. Simple, <laughs> simple as that. And, uh, and hopefully you'll have more of those types of uh, books coming up. Uh, well, you heard me going crazy about the Shara Bitachon. It's something that's a, a real favorite of mine for many, many years. And now... Uh, you've gone ahead and produced this uh, Jaffa family edition of Shara Bitacha, not only with the, the Hebrew, which is what I've been used to, of course, over all these years, but a great English translation, wonderful insights, fantastic commentary. One of the things about Shara, and again, I, I've been trying over the last couple of days, because I'm sure there are a lot of people in this audience who don't know what it is. Chovas Halvavos is a Musr Sefer. Chovas Halvavos is something that's really appropriate for this time of year and really all year round. Shara Bitacha is the essence, is the centerpiece, I would say, of Chovos Halavavos. It is the essence of faith. It is something that is so helpful to people who have difficulties with faith, as really everybody does, as much as people are people of faith. There's always always some void that needs to be filled, even for the most observant and the most faithful people. Uh, That's why I look at this as, as, as sort of like an endless safer. People don't realize the chizuk, the strength that one gets from reading this, and the uh, and the trust in God that one gains from you know from exploring the Shara Bitachon. I assume that's you know one of the reasons that you knew this would be a big seller. Why you knew you knew people out there would want it, and the insights and the English translation that you've included in this are simply wonderful. I don't know why it took this long for Shara Bitachon in this format to come out and be part of the uh, you know the Jewish publishing world, but I'm glad it did, and I hope it's doing well already. You have any indication whatsoever? Um, the indications are getting very positive feedback more than anything. But just for people to understand, you know, we think of a Musa Sefer, something that was written the last 100 or 200 years ago. Right. Shara Bitochon, which is one of the um, Sha'arim, the gates, or the topics discussed in Chovos Alavavos, was written almost a thousand years ago by Arishon Rabbeinu Bachia. So it goes back almost a thousand years. This is being studied generations and generations, the most important safer on Bitachon. You know, we, we, it, Bitachon is not faith. Bitachon is really trust, a reliance on Hashem, right. and knowing that He's there, He's there for us, it, especially these days with so many people struggling and looking the world around us, what is going on. This is such an important safer, and it's not a large safer. Right. It's, it's short, 
It's about uh, 250 pages in our edition, and we're thankful to the Jaffa family for sponsoring it and making it possible. But this small safer was in the works for almost two years. That's how important it is. It's not just the translation, the footnotes, the insights, how we could apply it to our life in today's generation. It is the most important safer you could learn today to give you to understand that we rely on Hashem it gives you just a way to get up in the morning and be calm and know we're in Hashem's hands and we are going to be taken care of. I encourage everyone to start at 10 minutes a day, just 10 minutes a day, go through a few lines. If we internalize this message, we will be such calm people, we'll be happy people. I'm sure you've looked through it, Nachum, oh, you yeah. see exactly what I'm talking about. No question about it. And uh, again, Everybody out there has, I believe, everybody has, you know, questions and doubts and, and, and thinking about what, you know, faith is all about and how much of that trust, that reliance that you describe, we need to put in the one above. And this just outlines for everybody so beautifully every area of life, from from family to income to doing mitzvos to, to olam haba that people, you know, very often question the, the world to come, what that's all about. It's all there. Uh, with every subcategory you could ever imagine. And everybody out there, if you have an opportunity to get this, make sure to get it. This is the perfect week for it. Next week, the Esar's Mechuvah is another perfect week for it. It's called Shara Bitachon. I can't say enough about it. It's 15% off for our listeners when you go to uh, artsgirl.com and uh, put in the promo code radio. And it's something that I have been... Uh, just on the bandwagon since I first saw it of trying to convince everybody that this is a life changer. This is a life changer. I don't know how many things that you've published at Arts Girl you can call life changer. You know, I, I know the the, the Chumash, the Talmud, the Sidurim, the Machzarim. I know they're important. This is an actual life changer, Gedalia. This is something. Definitely. This is something. I, I, I say, you know, we publish, I think this year, Tough Shin Pei, we published over 100 titles. And, you know, but you always have the top 10 list. Right. This is definitely in the top five. Yeah, no question. It, it is so important. It is such an important safer. And I encourage everyone, as I said before, just to spend a few minutes a day learning it. Learn to take a chavrusa. You know, husband, I started learning it with my wife. Every night we sit down for 10 minutes and we started reading through it. And it already Great idea. made such a positive impact on us. Great idea. Um, yeah, a real life changer, everybody. Shar uh, check it out. And by the way, you just mentioned Tough Shin Pei. How could I even mention Shar without saying after the year we've had, where where we where people wonder even more what it is that the one above is and is not doing during this crazy year? Uh, it, this is really an even more important time to take this up and to start reading Shar because. It has shaken it. Tough Shin Pei this year, which ends Friday night. Many people are saying, you know, let it, let it end sooner rather than later. Uh, this year has really shaken a lot of people to the core when it comes to faith, when it comes to Bitochem, when it comes to trust in God. So, again, yet another reason to add it to your library. Everybody check it out. Uh, purchase it online or at your local Judaica store. All right. Now, uh, Rabbi Zlotowitz, there are a lot of things that um, – <laughs> this is really one of, we could say, uh, there are a few times during the year we could say this is your time of year, but this is one of those times we could say this is really your time of year. I would, I, I was, um, uh, I, I discovered based on uh, uh, the people I spoke to at Art Scroll that Slichus and Machzorim and things that normally sell pretty well this time of year, this year 
are really flying off the shelves. Uh, a lot of people staying home uh, who normally don't. A lot of people you know, often rely on, on uh, Machzorim at the places that they go and travel to. This year, a lot of synagogues are recommending that people bring their own Machzorim. I'm sure that helped as well. You, you've seen a real, a real boon when it comes to Slichas and Machzorim, right? Well, I think more than ever, people realize they're going to have more time, especially those who are at home or those who are going to Minyanim that might be going a little quicker this year. Rosh Hashanah is a long day, and we have time to look into the tefillah and to internalize the tefillah. And I think, you, Nachim, you probably heard this a lot at the beginning of Corona when all the shuls were shut down and Minyanim weren't even an option. Right. How many people said that they, they felt their davening was enhanced. They were able to go slower. They were able to read word for word and not rush through anything. You know, it wasn't like, oh, by accident I came late and I have to catch up. You really started when you wanted, and you were able to just go slow. And people said they pulled out the art scroll Sidurim for the first time, and they read the translation, they read the commentary, and they really understood exactly what they were saying. It was incredible. And therefore, I just want to mention one very important safe. I don't know if it's on our list to talk about today, but we published last week Rav Druk on Machzar. Yeah. Rav Druk, Rav Yisrael Meir Druk, is a Magid in Yerushalayim. He's a Rosh Hashiva. And he goes through the Rosh Hashanah Machzar, and he takes phrases, and he explains it so beautifully, the internal message, what is this phrase talking about? And we have time this year. Let's use the opportunity to really understand what we're saying. I think everyone's prayers this year is going to be on a higher level than it ever was before. We understand what Miba Magefa means, that, you know, who's going to be affected by a plague? We never understood what that meant. To us growing up, a plague was, we heard about the plagues in Egypt thousands of years ago. We know what a plague is now. And we're going to dive in with such extra kavana. Let's understand what we're saying. So I encourage everyone, pick up any English translation. Rav Druk on Machsar will give you a new insight into the words of the Machsar. And we have to cry out Hashem this year, please stop this Magefa. Like you say, we're looking forward to a Tavshin Pei Aleph next year. That should be... A wonderful year. Everything Hashem does for us is good, but we want to see the good. We know Hashem loves us, but we want to daven that we should see the good as it's happening. You know, it's interesting uh, that you just said that, that now we know what a magefa is, and I'm thinking because of the way the world is now, anything that happens anywhere in the world we know about, you know, 10 seconds later, we now know what it means, miva esh, as we see what's happening in the West. We know what miva mayim means when we see what happens in so many parts of this country that are being hit by storms and are being flooded out and people's lives are changing and often being taken. And now, of course, as you said, we know what Bamagefa means because of this unique but terrible experience of uh, COVID-19. So, yeah, uh, everybody out there, uh, we have a different perspective now on our Tzfilos. Rav Druk on the Machser is a big recommendation from Art Scroll for this year. Check it out. It's written by Ray Yisrael, Mayor Druk, and uh, it is highly recommended. In addition, um, uh, Gedalia, there's a, um, there's so many machzorim. There are so many books about the Yom Narayim. I see the Rebbe Chaim Kanievsky has a book on the Yom Narayim. Of course, Rabbi Sherman's classic on Rosh Hashanah. There are books about Tashlich. There are books about faith. There are children's books that deal with this time of year. Plenty of books on uh, on uh, tshuva. 
The power of tshuva is a very big one. I mean, I don't even know where to start here with this whole list. Pathway to prayer is is a very important one when it comes to understanding uh, what our prayers are all about. And 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 in the machzer category in itself, you have the interlinear machzer where it's, it makes it easier for people who want to see that immediate translation and use the translation literally during their tefillahs. It's not just reading something at home and getting gaining more insight. It's literally being able to translate in your head those words as you say them, which is a tremendous service. The classic art scroll machzer, etc. I mean, I don't know which ones you want to highlight, but the list is really voluminous in terms of what's available for, for Yontif. It is. As you said, there's nothing more to add. There's so much. I didn't even realize yep. you have a children's machzer. I didn't even realize that there's a children's machzer. Yep. From Art Scroll. There's really something for everyone. Yeah. There's a transliterated, there's children's, there's the Machsa from Rasolovechik, there's the Interlinea, as you say, the classic Hebrew English, Hebrew only, whatever anyone wants. Uh, I mentioned Tshuva Svarim, so Share Tshuva, yet another uh, Musser classic. Mesilas Yesharim, yet another Musser classic. These are also part of, uh, very similar, by the way, to Share Bitachan, right? I would assume it's the same format, am I right? Same exact format, and again, life-changing Musasvar, and that were written many, many hundreds of years ago. Yeah, no question about it. The Power of Tshuva, Rabbi Heshi Kleinman, uh, Rabbi Tversky on the Machser. I mean, there are so many offerings, and if people go to the website, I would assume all of this is listed by category. If, number one, the brand new stuff is out there in terms of uh, what's new from Art Scroll, but then anything that's in the Rosh Hashanah Kipper category, they could find uh, under the high holidays on artscroll.com as well, so... Uh, people could do research themselves and uh, and and find an, an inordinate number of uh, of books and offerings out and there. As another option, Nachum, people could go to Oscar.com and browse our Rosh catalog online. So that's a good way to see exactly what we have. Now, now let's clarify. When you say Rosh ca- uh, catalog, you're not just talking about things for Rosh Hashanah. You're talking about the entire catalog of Art Scroll is online, correct? That you know, with with, with things for the entire year. Yes, but do that. We come out every year with a Rosh Hashanah catalog, which focuses on the Rosh Hashanah titles and our classics. That and thick, a way to, that thick catalog that I got is only for this time of year. It's this time of year in our classics, and you can browse page by page. It's just a beautiful way to see what we have for this time of year. Sometimes I forget just how many things you have, frankly. Uh, yes. Pretty amazing. Tell me about right Benjamin Przanski's book uh, Chizuk for Your Heart. Rabbiyam Bezinski is a fantastic storyteller, and as we know, stories have a way of entering our heart. And, you know, sometimes you listen to a speech and, you know, people just tune out after a few minutes. But a story has a way of connecting someone and having an influence on someone. And these are stories that Bezinski put together to be us, to give us strength, especially going through this difficult challenge. That's why the title is Chizuk for Your Heart. It's really a way to strengthen people and to tell them you can do it. And each story is an uplifting story. And He's a fantastic storyteller. He's published many books with us, and it's a great way to get chizuk, to give over chizuk to your family, read the stories and tell over the stories. You're walking with your child to shul on Rosh Hashanah, you're sitting at the Yontif table, tell over a story, it could have an impact.
No question about that. Uh, the What If series, which uh, it seems has become very popular. What If on Yamim Tovim Volume Number 2 is out. These are literally situations that are described, adapted by Moshe Shero from the works of Yitzchak Silberstein. Uh, these are the things that you can bring up at the Yontif table that are interesting halachic discussions. You're posing a question. People at the table can guess or come up with a, uh, a system to come up with an answer. And then, of course, you, the, the person reading it can reveal the answer to everybody. Exactly. Rabbi, the, we know Rabbi Zilberstein is, has the most fascinating questions brought to him um, in Eretz Yisrael, and these are questions that were actually brought to him. So he asks it as a question, and then you go around the table and see what everyone thinks, and then you read his answer. It just makes the Yontif and Shabbos table come alive. Yeah, and usually the... Uh uh, usually there's a twist toward the end or things people haven't thought of uh, in terms of what some of those answers uh, are. Uh, let's talk living Amuna, inspiring stories and engaging questions for the entire family. Again, Amuna faith, very important for this time of year to discuss it. It's adapted by David Ashir's best-selling Living Amuna series. This has been a really successful series. Living Amuna, I'm sure you've spoken about it many times to your audience, Nachum, and um, Living Amuna has been a life-changing series. We sold from all the cap, all the different various volumes, you know, over 200,000 copies. I, I, I meet people who carry it with them and say, I never go a day without reading a piece of Living Amuna. Wow. And it's just a very um, easy way to internalize Amuna. Rabbi Ashir has a way of, you know, telling over a story, giving you a quick thought. They're not great chidushim, as we would say. But it's like it just internalizes the message of a Muna of living with Hashem. And what we did over here in Let's Talk Living Amuna is a team of Mechanchim got together. They took some of the stories of the Living Amuna series, and it's a way to tell over a story and sometimes stop in the middle of the story, and then there'll be questions there to ask around the table. And you ask your children, what would you do in this situation? How would Hashem want you to react? And... You know, the kids get animated. They want to be part of it. I think the big, greatest challenge we all have as parents is when we sit around with our children, especially at a Yontif or Shabbos meal. And, you know, they're here for sleep. They really want to leave the table. They're not interested. They want to go play. And the greatest thing is get them involved in the conversation. So imagine being able to pull out a book where you read a three-paragraph story, and the story stops in the middle, and you're able to ask the questions that are spoon-fed to you in, in this Let's Talk Living in Moon. It tells you what questions they ask the children. They get animated. They get involved. And then the story continues. And you see how the person in the story dealt with it. Perhaps you would have dealt with it different. And it becomes a discussion point. So you're not just preaching to your children, but they're getting involved in the conversation. And they're going to internalize the message. And you'll be amazed. I'm sure, Nachim, you've seen this with your children many times what a child is holding inside and yeah. the chinuch that you gave them even a parent will be proud wow i didn't know my child would react that way <laughs> look how positive that is it's just such a fun way to make the table come alive to make the children come alive and to discuss emuna which is the most important discussion we could have with our children yeah it seems to be the theme in this conversation frankly as uh, we enter the brand new year emuna and bitachon such a central theme uh, that everybody should keep in mind everyone should try to pass on uh, as much information as much inspiration to the uh, to the children and our families no question about that uh, how's the uncle's uh, release doing 
Well, we know we started Unklis about two years ago. Um, we know there's a mitzvah of Shnaya Mikra Targum that every single week is supposed to read the Parshas HaShavua, the Pasuk twice, and then Targum Unklis once. Right. Right, that's the preferred way of doing it. And Targum Unklis is very hard. It's written in Aramaic. Most people don't understand what they're saying. And for the first time, there's a translation and a commentary on the Targum Unklis telling you what the Targum is saying, but more than that, what he's telling you a pshat, he's telling you a commentary on the Chumash. And we can understand now when we're saying Targum Unklis what the Targum is talking about. Yeah. And we're finally publishing the last volume of this five-volume series. Devarim is going to the printer. It will be available as a slipcase set next week. And we're very, very proud of this. It is something. I ha- you, you were nice enough to give me the bracious one when I visited, and I went through it, and it's really remarkable. And for those of us who've been frustrated over our entire lives, that Unculus, you know, has never been alive to us in terms of a commentary, and now, in fact, it is. And I wish you continued success with that, and I'm glad to hear the series is almost complete. The Milstein edition Chumash with the teachings of the Talmud. You know that I have been a big advocate of this one. Uh, I am, I am uh, much more in favor of studying Talmud through the Chumash and studying Chumash through the Talmud, as some might suggest. And what this Sefer does is simply remarkable. And I've gone through examples with you on the air of you know really simple examples of how uh, important uh, this Sefer is in terms of bringing important uh, uh, Talmudic passages to our attention based on the Pesukim of the Torah. I hope this Milstein edition of the Chumash with the teachings of the Talmud is doing well. It's doing wonderfully, and it's, you said many times how you use it at your Shabbos table, yep. and it's, it's, it's a great series. You describe it better than anyone does. No, I appreciate that. Now, there are a couple of things we should bring to everyone's attention, Gedalia. Number one, uh, in addition to the Rosh Hashanah catalog, and I was schooled on that. I thought that was a catalog literally of everything. That's how thick it is. But in addition to that, and you can see it online if you go to artscroll.com, we should mention the Artscroll Shabbos Table Weekly Inspiration. This is something that's relatively brand new. People will see the banner on your uh, on the website at artscroll.com. And this is a, a basically a four-page newsletter that gives people an insight into some of the things that are happening uh, regarding Artscroll, but really revisits uh, a lot of wonderful works and, and brings inspiring um, uh, pieces to everybody on a weekly basis. Really easy to subscribe to, I would assume, right? People can get it in their email. It's, a, it's, a, it's available for a free download. Basically, what we've done is every single week we put out um, excerpts from various books and sarum that we've had over the years, and it's a great thing to bring to the Shabbos table and read a story, read a vart, a commentary, a nice thought, and it's available for free every single week, or you could sign up for free to get it delivered to your inbox. In addition, you have something called Inside Art Scroll, literally behind-the-scenes interviews with authors that stop by the Art Scroll facility and walk into your studio there in New Jersey, and that gives a perspective for people to uh, uh, discuss the book and the, what the process was like and what they hope to accomplish, etc. Uh, people can check that out and see the interviews. Again, a link from artscroll.com as well, so those videos are available uh, to everybody. So you are, you are expanding as much as possible, as quickly as possible. Baruch Hashem. We are, and it's really a schuss to be able to service the Jewish community at large. And we know that, especially during COVID, there's so much learning and reading going on. People have time, and they're using it for good things. And we really, I just want to take this opportunity to thank the Jewish community for always supporting us, for being there for us, our donors, our dedicators who make most of these groundbreaking projects available. 
It's really an honor to serve the Jewish community, and we should all take the merit of learning Torah and davening better with us into Rosh Hashanah this year. And next year should be a year filled with good health and panoseph for everyone, and nachas from your families. And we're just grateful that Hashem gives us this opportunity. What an opportunity it is. And boy, are you taking complete advantage of what God has given you in terms of an opportunity. And uh, your father of blessed memory, what a tremendous shliach he was. People now look back at this era of Jewish history, and you know that he was literally a central figure in an important Jewish revolution that has taken place over the last half a century, and that must be a tremendous feeling. Yes, it definitely it's a little awe-inspiring um, to think what my father's atal accomplished, and the greatest gift we could send him in his place in Olam Haba is to use this forum to learn from them, and with that, we're sending him the greatest packages we could send him, and I'm sure he's in Shemayim, by the Kisei HaKavod, especially coming up to this Rosh Hashanah, being a Meilitziosher, an advocate for the, all of Am Yisrael, that we should have a Shana Tovu, Masuka, and a Ksivich to everyone. Nachum, I'm grateful to you. I love our conversations together. And as far as Inside Art School, we look forward to having you come down to our studio <laughs> and being interviewed for Rabbi Hissiger. Talk about revolutionary interviews. Um, a little, <laughs> turn the tables a little bit. Rabbi Zlatowicz, Gedalia, I thank you. And a Shana Mutuka, happy, healthy, sweet New Year. We should continue uh, this wonderful relationship together. And uh, we greatly appreciate your uh, support, encouragement, and loyalty to everybody here. Thank you so much for everything. Uh, may regards to your family. Take care. There he is, Rabbi Gedalia Zlatowicz. Everybody, do you realize we just went through this conversation? I never mentioned the Art Scroll app. I never mentioned the the Talmud um, uh, iPad, Shas Pad. I never mentioned Sukkis, which in all seriousness we should have done because we're likely not going to have Gedalia on again before we get to the holiday of Sukkis. All the, I, I didn't get to half the stuff we could have done in this conversation, <laughs> frankly. That's how much they have. That how, how much material they have to enhance our lives and enhance our prayer and Torah study experience. Really remarkable. Anyway, information about everything that we did discuss. The new releases, what's available for the high holidays, uh, what I recommend you get into your home at the minimum during the Aseris Shuva, if you don't have it in your home before Rosh Hashanah, which is the Shar Habitakon. For all that information, you go to artscroll.com. And by the way, keep in mind, there's a value of being a Nahum Siegel listener. When you go to artscroll.com, always use promo code radio. But right now, today, if you want the Shar Habitakon, and believe you me, I'm highly recommending it as I continue to say, if you want the Shar Habitakon of Chovos Halvavos, this unbelievable brand new volume, when you go to artscroll.com, you get 15% off and free shipping with promo code radio. I mean, come on. How could you go wrong? 15% off, free shipping with promo code radio. Check it out and enjoy. More coming up. You are listening to a Wednesday morning edition of JM in the AM. That was my conversation with Robert Gedalia Zlotowitz. Information about everything we discussed on the website at artscroll.com. That concludes this week's edition of JM Rewind. Make sure to be tuned in every single week and tune in all the time to all of our programming right here 
at the Malcolm Siegel Network.